Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it's all about getting outside, enjoying the outdoors, and creating epic adventures that you can share for generations. At Hunt the West, my only goal is for you to get out and hunt. Welcome to episode seven, what you need to know when you're going on your first out-of-state hunt. Now, I made some major mistakes when I went on my first out-of-state hunt, and they could have been absolutely devastating had things gone slightly differently. So luckily I ran into an awesome game warden, and well, we'll get into that story in a minute, but I'm lucky I didn't end up in jail. But anyway, let's go back in time to fall of 2016. So it was just three years ago. Um, I had started getting into hunting a little more seriously. I wanted to have some more opportunities because I didn't draw a deer tag that year in Utah. And when I didn't draw, I was like, well, crap, I don't want to wait another year to go hunting. So I decided to look at some states um, nearby that had um, non-resident tags, and I just found the cheapest one. And because at the time, my my budget was the biggest factor. Um, I just finished school. I passed my board exam, and I got my first real job, and I wanted to have a new adventure. So I discovered this doe tag in Wyoming for about $35 for a non-resident which is definitely the cheapest tag you can get as a non-resident. I decided that since I wouldn't have the time to get out and scout that I had, because I'd never seen this area before. um, So I bought an antelope doe tag as well as a mule deer doe tag, both in the same unit, just in case I only saw one of the species. So I looked into some county maps. This was before Onyx maps was really thing. I think they were around, but... They weren't as widespread as they are now and is a common tool for hunters. So I didn't have access to that. Um, So I just looked into some county maps from Wyoming and I found different layers and I found which areas had public lands and I found where those public lands crossed roads that I could drive on. And then I just loaded up my car and went out there for three days. And I only had three days because my schedule of work schedule and everything. And we had um, an almost one-year-old at home. So I didn't want to be away from home too long. So anyway, I'd never seen this area before. I had no idea if I was going to see mule deer or antelope. But I had two tags, a mule deer doe and an antelope doe tag. And whatever species I came across in that area, that's what I was going to hunt. So I just wanted to put some meat in the freezer. I had just gotten a new rifle that year. Um, at the company I was working for, well, and I still work at, the company I work for has this program where um, if you find a way to save the company money, you get 10% of the savings for the first year. So I did that. I found a way to save the company money, and I made like $4,000 on top of my regular pay. So I saved most of that, and then I bought a new rifle and a new scope with the rest. And so I was super stoked. Um, I was practicing a lot and I got the scope dialed in and I was super confident going into that tag or into that hunt and I drove in late at night I pulled into my first spot I drive up this road and then there was a sign that said no mule deer doe hunting so I was like well I and just from the terrain it didn't really seem like antelope country so I went to my second spot and there was no sign there and I drove in there And as soon as I pulled in onto the dirt road, I saw two mule deer bucks sparring with each other. And then there was just kind of does all around. 
and this is November, so it's um, the mule deer rut. And so there were a lot of deer around and they were all being really active. So I was like, sweet, this is perfect. Um, I'm just going to park the truck here. I had borrowed my dad's truck. If you listen to the last episode, you know that I don't have a truck. But I borrowed my dad's truck and I was like, sweet, I'm going to just sleep in the back of the truck. In the morning, I'm going to wake up and shoot one of these does and I'll be home by tomorrow night. And I will have a happy wife at home. So that's what I did. I slept in the truck, woke up the next morning, and within 20 minutes of first light, I was within 200 yards of a doe. And it was less than 100 yards away from the road. So I thought I'd hit the jackpot. I was super confident that this was going to be a super easy hunt. And I even got my phone out and put it on a tripod and tried to get the kill shot on camera because, you know, I'd been watching these YouTube videos and whatever. And I, I don't know, I thought it'd be cool to have it on camera. So while I was getting all that set up, the doe fed out into this little ravine and went behind some brush and I didn't get a clear shot. So had I not been messing with my phone, probably could have killed that doe right off the bat. So I followed that doe around a little bit. I went up closer, ended up spooking that group of deer and they went up the hill and around the ridge. So I had to loop around and get ahead of them. And while I was walking around to get in a better position, I came across another doe on the other end of the ridge. And this time I wasn't going to be messing with my phone. I'm like, I'm abandoned that idea pretty quickly. So I just dropped my backpack, my backpack down, laid down and used my pack as a rest and got ready for the shot and then all of a sudden a truck pulled up right next to the deer and (laughs) scared them off because these deer were right by the road I wasn't on the road but these deer were pretty near where the road was and so this truck pulled up and then the deer spooked and ran off and they actually picked up this super nice four point really really wide buck and so I was like that's cool you know I didn't have a buck tag but it's cool to see him so I was a little bummed that they were running off, but then I was like, what the heck is this truck doing? Like, I'm hunting. Like, didn't he see my orange hat? Like, while he's driving on the road, like, he should have seen that. I was, like, coming up on these deer. And then I saw that there was a badge on the side of the truck that said Wyoming Gaming Fish. And so I immediately knew that I was in trouble. So I walked over toward him, and as I was walking up to him, like I could tell that he wanted to talk to me because of where, like how he pulled his truck up and I was the only one in the area and he's obviously wanted to talk to me. So I walked up to him and I was like, uh, I hope I'm not doing anything illegal. He asked me what I was hunting. I told him I was hunting mule deer and he has to see my tag. And I was like, yeah, I have a doe tag. Here it is. And And then he explained to me that this tag was only valid on private land. And he said a local landowner had seen me, called the game warden, and then that landowner was telling the game warden, oh, I don't think there's any antelope up there, so you might want to go see what that hunter is doing. So anyway, I explained that I had an antelope tag too, but I didn't know what animals I was going to see up here since I'm from Utah. I'd never been up here. It was my first out-of-state hunt. I just explained to him what was going on. And he was really cool about it. He told me that the antelope tag I had purchased was okay for public land, but the mule deer tag that I had purchased was only valid on private land. So what happened is when I was researching, I came across this antelope tag first, and then I got a similar tag, but it was actually a different type. So the antelope one, I I just didn't read closely enough 
to the regulations. I just went and hurried and bought the other species of tag, and I thought it was just the exact same rules and everything. But they have completely different guidebooks for each species in Wyoming. And so you've got to look into the different rules for each species. And I just didn't look closely enough, and I didn't realize that you could only hunt mule deer on this tag that I had purchased on private land. And I had basically almost become a poacher just out of negligence. So I can't even tell you how embarrassing that was to be in trouble with the game warden. And I honestly had no idea. Like I was totally confident that I was in the right spot. I had done my research appropriately, but I clearly had not. And I'm glad that he stopped me and that he pulled in right when he did. Because if I would have pulled the trigger, I mean, I would have been over a gut pile basically. So I'd, I can't tell you how embarrassing that was. It was super embarrassing. He Then he asked to see proof for my hunter safety, which is not a requirement in Utah. You have to take hunter safety in Utah, but you don't have to have proof of it. You, In order to buy a tag in Utah, you have to have already taken hunter safety. So you don't have to carry that with you. But in Wyoming, you have to have your hunter safety um, card with you or some kind of proof that you've taken hunter safety and you have to carry it with you. And I didn't know that either. And so he gave me like a written warning, an official warning, took down my license plate number and everything and gave me a warning for two things, hunting in the wrong area and not carrying hunter safety. But he was super cool about it. We, you know, we talked about how, you know, I told him I didn't draw a tag in Utah and he was just like, yeah, I had my Wyoming archery and I feel like I just walk around in the woods all day. Anyway, he was just like, he's, he's a hunter too just super nice guy. He was very, like he, instead of criticizing me and everything, like he told me what I was doing wrong, but he also educated me, which I think is really important because, you know, I, like, I just had no idea. I'm just like some random dude from Utah coming to Wyoming on my first out of state hunt and just didn't know the rules. So it was totally my fault. And he could have been a lot more stern and a lot more critical of me, but he was very, he was just really easy going on me and he, you know, he educated me, which I really appreciated. He even showed me an app that their agency uses to look at land ownership and who owns what and where you can hunt and whatnot. It wasn't on X maps, but it was something really similar. And he told me that there are walk-in areas that are private land, but the owners have opened it up to the public so that the public can access him as long as you don't drive your vehicle on their land. So I drove into town, downloaded the app on my phone, and then went back out into the field into one of these walk-in areas that the game warden had told me about. And seriously, I just felt so blessed that I didn't shoot that first doe because had I done that, the game warden would have shown up and I would have been standing over the gut pile and I would have had, I definitely would have that animal taken from me. I wouldn't have been able to have any of the meat, probably would have lost my hunting privileges in Wyoming and maybe gotten jail time. I don't know. It just would have been bad. So I was able to get onto that private land and then walking in there, I just knew that I was legally hunting in the area because the game warden had told me. And I just can't emphasize enough the contrast, the contrast between being in so much trouble and then being completely confident because you know you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So I've been doing that same doe hunt for the last three years. This is my fourth year. And actually, if you're listening to this episode the week it comes out, I'm hunting in Wyoming right now, which is awesome. I can't wait. 
in reality it like i have two weeks until the hunt but since podcasting has this cool time travel feature i'm either in the future right now as you listen to this hunting or i'm in the past and i've already been back from that hunt so this year i'm actually going to do that hunt with a bow and if you listen to the last episode i basically hunted does for eight days this year already so i hope i can get it done for real with my bow actually last year i bought the I, I had bought a bow but I was still saving up money to put a sight on it and a rest and everything so I used my rifle last year on that hunt but I treated it as if it was a bow hunt I just I, I wanted to get under 50 yards with my rifle so I could practice stalking in real life so last year I went up there I'll just give you the quick story about this last year on the, on that same doe hunt um, I was alone like normal I've I've always done it alone So I got up there really late at night, like usual, and it was raining. So I rolled out my canvas cutter, slept in there, and I went to this area. And since I've been in this area two years before, I knew the layout of the land. And it's actually a a pretty small area. Um, It's just like a few hundred acres because it's just this little island of private land surrounded by public land. But I can only legally hunt on the private land with that tag. So... I I know this basin really, really well. I know where the deer hang out, and this area has a ton of deer, tons. And since it's during the rut, um, I tend to sit and watch the bucks wander around and check all the does. See, I get to put my eyes on a lot of deer, which is fun. So I went down into all the areas that I knew, and sure enough, I found um, a buck and a doe together in this area where they usually hang out. And the... I could tell just by the body language of that buck and that doe and how they interacted or actually how the lack of interaction that this doe was not hot. Um, and she was alone. She didn't have fawns with her and the buck like was not interested in her at all. And so it was just a lone doe. There were no other does with her. And this buck actually ended up walking off. He was a huge two point, like he had just two points on each side, but he was really tall, really wide, and had just really, really, he had a ton of mass, which is pretty typical of the bucks in this area. They just have like a lot of mass, which is awesome. So anyway, so I get in position. She was bedded in a perfect spot. Like she could see everything the, the way the wind was. Um, I could tell that like that was the most strategic spot. But if you looked at it from above, or from far away, you'd be like, why is that doe in the middle of the wide open? But she was actually in a really good spot because she couldn't be seen from above because there's a big sagebrush plant above her. And um, below her, she could see straight down this ravine and she could see all above the basin to her on both sides and across. So she could see everything. And then the wind was coming down the hill and so she could smell everything above her where she couldn't immediately see behind her so it was just the perfect spot and it made it really hard to get close to her but um it was kind of still raining a little bit and um, when the wind would blow I would maneuver and I was basically crawling through the bottom of this ravine and waiting for her to you know turn her head one direction then I'd take a few more steps and I got to a point where I couldn't get any closer and I was still like 150 yards away from her 
And so I just sat there and waited for her to move. And eventually she stood up and started feeding, which made it a lot easier for me to get closer. So I made my way up to the opposite side of the little ravine where she was and she fed down into the bottom and I lost sight of her. And so I just guessed where she was going to come up on the other side because the sun started to come out and I figured she would go to the shady side and find a place that she could bed down where she would be in the shade most of the day. So I went to where I thought that would be based on where I had seen deer previous years bed down all day. And so I went above a little bit above and off to the side where, you know, I don't have a map in front of me, so it's hard to explain, but right in front of where I thought that she would be going into bed, but I had completely lost sight of her. And then I got over there to where she would be popping out at like 35 yards or something. And she wasn't there and I couldn't see her. And so I was just kind of like taking a few more steps. I'm like, I know she's got to be close because I could see where she would have been able to leave if she went a different direction. The only direction she could be come is right toward me unless I would have seen her. Like if she did chose a different route, I would have seen her. So I knew I was in the right position, but I was just like taking small steps. And anyway, she popped out right where I was guessing 30 yards, but I was standing up and I had my rifle, you know, pointed down, um, in front of me and she was walking right toward me. But I, so I just froze. Cause if I, and she was coming straight on me with her and her head was kind of hanging down. So I didn't have a clear shot at her vitals or anything because she was coming right towards me with her head below. So the only shot that I had, the only thing I could see was the top of her butt behind her and then her head and her legs. So if you can imagine, she's coming directly at me. Her head is below the level of her body or just like straight out. But because I was uphill from her, there was no clear shot. And so I just froze and sat there. And then she came right in front of me at 15 yards, right into the bushes where I was waiting for her, right as right exactly where I was planning on her coming. And because of the way she walked straight toward me, I honestly did not have a shot. And had I had a bow, I definitely wouldn't have a shot because I would have had to draw my bow back and she would have seen me do that and taken off. So eventually she got into the bushes and then while she was behind the bushes, I got my gun up, but the bushes were too thick. I couldn't shoot through them. And then eventually she got so close to me. She was, yeah, she was like between 10 and 15 yards through these bushes. She was below me in elevation. And so she got right below me. And then by that time I was skyline just because of my proximity to her. And in hindsight, I realized I should have sat down and lowered my profile while she was moving through those bushes but instead I just stayed standing and then I see her pause look up at me through the bushes and notices me that I'm skylined and I'm you know like 13 yards away from her so she froze for a second and then she booked it and so she took off exactly where she had just came from went down through the ravine and up the other side to the other side of this canyon and stopped and turned broadside and while she was running I had sat down got my arms on my knees and got in position for a shot but if I was using a bow that would have been a lost opportunity because when she stopped she was like 75 yards but I ended up shooting her right there at 75 yards and she immediately dropped shot her right through the heart 
when I was gutting her and taking the meat off and everything, I, I wanted to eat the heart, but I, there, a bullet passed right through the middle of the heart and just tore it to shreds. So I didn't get to eat the heart, but she dropped immediately. She actually even took two bounces right after she was right after I shot, which is amazing because her heart had exploded. So I don't know how they do that, but yeah, that she went down and, um, I got to take all that meat home and I was able to pack it out in one trip on my back. Um, that doe actually, she only had like six teeth and they were all on the, on the, her bottom jaw, right at the front. She had no teeth on her upper jaw and no teeth behind those front immediate teeth right on the front of her jaw. So, um, I even posted a picture of this doe on Instagram. So you can go check that out at huntthewest.us on Instagram. But that was one of my favorite hunts, even though it was just alone, just me. It was one of the, one of my favorite hunts because I achieved the goal that I had set out to accomplish. And that goal was to get really, really close to a mule deer, which I had never really done before. So that gave me a lot of confidence that I could do this bow hunting thing. And actually, um, this year, while you're listening to this, I'm probably out with my bow on this hunt right now. And, um, actually just got off the phone with the regional office of Wyoming game and fish. And I asked them some questions about taking a bow to rifle season and if there are any special rules. And so I'm, I'm telling you these people, they want to help hunters out, just give the game warden a call to call the game and fish office call them um, their fellow hunters and anglers they want to help you out don't be irresponsible like i was the first time i went out of state so read the guidebook know the laws know what tag you have get on x maps so you know what your what area you're in and make sure you're following all the laws and if you have any questions just call them and ask you're way better off knowing the rules before you go than going and doing something illegal, getting thrown in jail, and then your kids are starving because you're serving life in prison and there's nobody to bring home food for the family. So don't let your kids starve, okay? Call the game and fish office so you know the rules. It's like <laughs> it's like the, you remember those, uh, is it DirecTV or Comcast commercials? Anyway, it's like, when you pay too much for cable, you get angry. And then they go through an extreme example of all the things like this cascade of horrible events that happen. Don't let your kids starve. Go read the Game and Fish guidebook. It's like, what? Anyway, but seriously, going out on your first out-of-state hunt is awesome. You can get more hunting opportunities. You can have awesome adventures. Don't do what I did and get casual about it. Do your homework. Call these guys. They're more than happy to help you out. I just called him about the archery thing and I asked him if like how the retrieval of an animal works when if you shoot it on private land and it goes over into public but it's a private land only tag can I go get it if it hops over the fence they told me yes by the way they told me it's okay as long as it as long as you shot it on private land then you can go to public the state land and retrieve it without any extra permission or anything so that's good but now I know for sure if that happens, how to handle it. Because if I didn't, you know, and I just assumed that it was okay and then I got in trouble, you know, it's way better to just know before you go out 
and make sure you know the laws because you you seriously can lose your hunting privileges just for being negligent. I mean, you're obviously not going to get life in prison, like I said before, but you might lose your hunting privileges and you might lose them in other states too if you are negligent enough. So make sure you are informed, you know your regulations and you follow them because that's how we get a bad rap in the hunting community. The non-hunters want us to exemplify the worst among us. Like the they want those bad examples, the poachers and the unethical hunters to represent everybody. They want to paint us with a broad brush. So don't let them do that. Follow the guidebook, follow the rules, wear hunter orange, know your area. And even in the the Wyoming guidebook, it says in there, like the most common infractions and hunting in the wrong area is one of the most common infractions. I'm not going to beat the dead horse here, but you know, just get out there and figure out what the rules say so you don't break them. Okay. But I've just got a couple of announcements. Um, we are still running the teacher giveaway right now. Um, if you write a review in whatever app you're listening to in Apple Podcasts, there's a place if you scroll down, it'll have the reviews. It'll say five stars right there. And then underneath that, there's a little button that says write a review. So click on that, write a review. Let me know what you think. Let me know if this has been helpful for you. Give a five-star rating if you think it, the show is worth it. And we're going to pick one of those probably at the end of November and we're going to give away a free t-shirt. So that t-shirt, that logo, I hope that comes to represent a group of hunters that are ethical, that we care about conservation, care about wildlife and wild places and public lands. And it represents an ethical group of hunters. That's what I want it to represent anyway. So if you want to get one of those You can actually just go and buy one on the website right now if you want, Um, but write a review and you'll have a chance to win a free one. So I hope anybody that listens to this podcast knows that they need to read the guidebook and it's way better anyway. So just get out there, read your manuals, read the rules. If you have any questions, call up the office, call up DWR, ask them those questions before you go. You're going to have a way better time if you have confidence knowing that you're following all the laws. So do all that, get out there, and hunt the West.